Disclaimer. I am not claiming to be a qualified professional in any medical field. For more information on the topics covered in these episodes, please follow the links in the description. Right, I don't have a head a set of headphones for you, I'm afraid. I can't wear a set of headphones anyway. Well, I have to take my hearing aid out to put these on anyway. Ready? Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disabled by Definition. I am your host, Taylor James, and today I am joined by my mother. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is weird. Thank you for having me. It's good. I'm really excited for this one because this is more of a personal one for both of us. Normally I'll talk to someone whose um, disability I have very little knowledge on and I am learning with the listener. However, this time I know a fair bit about your inability because it's my inability. So we both have a hearing impairment. The technical term for it is a bilateral sensory neural hearing loss. Did you know that's what it's called? Well, I know that it's written on all of our paperwork, <laughs> but I I just consider myself a bit deaf. Yeah, I think I do as well, to be honest. So how long ago did you find out that you had the impairment? So I found out I had the impairment 15 years ago when your brother was a baby and I took him for his nine month, he was nine months old and I took him for his hearing test and discovered that uh, there were a lot of the hearing, a lot of the sounds that I didn't hear. And was that alarming to you? No, it kind of explained quite a lot of things for me to a certain extent that perhaps I did have a bit of hearing loss. Um, I'd always associated that though with with old people. My grandmother, your great grandmother, was dreadfully deaf and it used (laughs) to drive everybody mad and you'd be shouting at her or she'd have the telly horrendously loud. So it it explained a lot of things to me, but I didn't associate it with somebody who was, what was I, 29, 30 at the time. So you said it explained a lot of things for you. Do you think if you had been told earlier that you had a hearing impairment, it would have helped you be able to work through anything in particular you found hard growing up? Um, I didn't find anything hard in a hearing in a loss of hearing way um because i wasn't aware that i was that i had a loss i didn't know that i was missing out on things that other people could hear it didn't it never occurred to me and it obviously wasn't very evident because it didn't slow me down in my learning as far as i know and and no teacher in my day picked up on perhaps my speech or that maybe i spoke quite loudly that was the only thing that I would have said is was a giveaway was that I my volume has always been quite high well it's interesting that you say that you've never really noticed what you were missing because I've always tried to use that as an explanation to uh, hearing loss in comparison to sight loss because when it comes to sight loss it's not necessarily that you're uh sat in an office and you can't see the computer because it's not there it's just missing whereas with hearing loss certain sounds are just missing and you don't know that they're missing so sight it can be blurry and it it's very obviously not right 
Whereas with hearing, you don't know what you're missing because it's just not there. It's never been there. It's never been there. And I think my... And I thought my hearing loss was always um, degenerative. Um, And I don't think it was as bad when I was little. But then since having had yours diagnosed when you were five was the first four five when you were in reception really? was the first point at which uh i was asked to take you for extra hearing oh, okay. tests um your reception teacher uh noticed that you um pronounce things differently to your reading was quite good already but you pronounce things differently to what was on the page um, and it's more obvious in Welsh, which is a phonetic language, yeah. than it was in English. Um, so, but I never had that. Then nobody picked up on that. The one thing that I was always aware of at school, um, because I suffer from tinnitus, I suffer from a high-pitched ringing in both my ears. Um, I was aware of my tinnitus from about the age of about thirteen. 12, 13, but I didn't know that tinnitus is what it was. Um, I just thought in those days, a television on standby used to sound like that. And I just used to assume <laughs> there was a television on somewhere or there was another piece static. of equi- yeah. equipment that was maybe giving off a, yeah, like a static, like a buzz or a ring. Yeah. Well, like white noise static is probably the best way to explain it. Is Is your tinnitus constant or does it almost turn on and off? My tinnitus is constant, and now that we're talking about it, I'm very aware of it. <laughs> um, you're, as with most people with tinnitus, your brain learns how to tune it in and out. And so um, I became more aware of my tinnitus in my teen, in my late teens, um, but it's uh, something that I think people are, most people are uh, used to, which is when you wake up after a night clubbing or you've been to a gig Mm. or anything with very loud music you wake up with ringing ears well I that would happen to me but then I wouldn't lose it so I realized after a while into my in my early 20s that perhaps I had a bit of a problem but I didn't actually know what tinnitus was then I didn't know that that's what it was well I still don't think many people know what it is I think a lot of people would associate hearing noises or some sort of ringing your ears being related to a form of PTSD or shell shock sort of where you where you've been in a traumatic environment where a loud noise explosion has gone off and it's affected your hearing but not many people would realize that it affects huge numbers of people and it can affect people at different times of their life and for some people it comes and goes um uh for me um my 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 tinnitus was explained by a, a wonderful um audiology nurse who said to me that if you think of it as you have your five hearing frequencies going from low to high pitched and in my case and in your case we have lost our uh high pitches and we probably lost the first one and a two, half one and a half to two yeah. and what happens is you she explained it to me that you have five receptors in your ears and your brain is sending signals to those receptors to pick up those different pitches and because you've got two broken ones, the other three can't really pick up the the broken ones frequency. They're not supposed to, but they try. And it sends what are signals back and forth to the brain. And sometimes that is what is then 
translated as this noise in your ah. head. That's how she explained it to me. Of course, there are people who suffer from tinnitus who hear almost like a music or a tune or a very different sounds to what I'm describing. So whether that's the case or not, a lot of it is to do with your brain without question. Um, I know that. Um, but my brain most of the time is quite well tuned to tuning it out. Mm. I would say I wouldn't... I don't really have too much of an issue with ringing my ears. It's only uh, whenever... Quite often if it's gotten really quiet and my ears are suddenly going, wait, there's no noise, need to make a noise. That's what it feels like for me. Like they're looking for a sound. Yeah. Like they're looking for something. Because they're so working what... overtime yes. to try and pick up And one of the noise. techniques for for helping with tinnitus is is having some sort of noise or in in the background that is that allows your brain to tune into that rather than your tinnitus and as you know i nearly constantly have the radio on i've always got noise around me um proper proper silence is is horrible when you were little and i used to take you for your hearing tests and i'd have to sit in the soundproof room with you while you had headphones on doing your hearing test and of course I couldn't hear anything that but the room is so soundproofed and so silent that it to me it would feel like the room was ringing because my tinnitus would be enormous and it would fill every space and um, having said that my hearing aids do make a huge difference to my tinnitus they help massively um because they fulfill those frequencies that might that are damaged in my ears so it it through my day-to-day life I cannot live without my hearing aids not because oh I couldn't hear this I couldn't hear that but my tinnitus is magnified without my hearing aids. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, hearing assessments that you used to take me to because one thing I remember and probably do it less now than I used to when I was little is the test is you wear these headphones and they'll play different frequencies at different volume levels um of pitches and noises and you have to uh, press a button every time you hear it when you were very little you had to put a bead on a on a peg yeah every time you heard a uh, heard a noise and maybe less so with i don't remember the pegs as such but with the button i'm pretty sure i would press whenever i thought i heard something because i think i remember sometimes I'd hear another noise that was like the beep that they were giving me and I'd press the button but it wouldn't stop. I've done that. I think everybody who's ever had hearing tests has done that. You go, I think that was one. Oh, I'll just press it. I'll just press it anyway. Yeah. And then you think, oh no, I'm messing up. The, that means I'm messing yeah. up my readings. Oh, they might think I'm, oh. And it and it does, It, but I think the machine allows for all of that. I think perhaps we just overthink it too much. I think that's possibly true. But it, it's always a weird scenario where the the headphones because they are proper big over the ears they are designed to make sure that all you hear is what comes out of the headphones and then quite often they'll place the headphones you have one of the headphone ears on your ear and the other one on your forehead and you they give you a second headphone that is supposed to monitor it's called a bone connector test so it's the bone behind your ear if you put your finger up behind your ear now you can feel a bone behind your ear and the bone conductor test is to do with whether you you can hear through your bone and they would they had a very different set of headphones Mm. weren't they and they They were very tight very (laughs) tight because it's got to press on the bone and they would they would 
monitor whether you could pick up the noise through the bone conductor and it's all to do with which parts of your mm. inner ear are damaged or not working in our case you know yeah and I, I I remember particularly around the age of eight or nine not really liking it and just turning straight to you going have you done because it it takes a while that's it why can... you have to have your mum sat in a corner <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's really really strange um and because you found out two years before me that you had an impairment, you said you've worn a hearing aid for roughly 15 years, whereas I I was given my first one in 2007. So I was just finishing year one. I think I can remember it, actually. Just finishing year one. And actually, I think we were on our way to Aberystwyth to see Nine and Tide, my grandparents, and we were on the promenade and it was really windy and I can remember being paranoid that it was going to fall out, having no idea that it just holds itself because it's moulded to my ear. But I You were great being with paranoid. your hearing aid though because your, um, your peers, so many, so many mums came up to me in school and went, wow, Tavy's hearing aid is the talk of the class. <laughs> Suddenly everybody wants one because it's sparkly and it's this and it's it that. And, and it was because you were quite proud of it. You didn't hide it. You weren't, maybe because you had it at an age that was a good age to have it, but you weren't, um, like so many people, you didn't consider it to be a stigma to have no. your hearing aid at all. You were quite proud of it. And it made a huge difference to you. I mean, you, it for you... And this is the only thing that I wonder whether it changed things for me, and maybe talking about the fact that I spoke quite loudly as a child, was for you what would happen is, especially sort of January, February time, after Christmas time, you would tend to get that seasonal cold. And if, you were, do. if you were bunged <laughs> up, you you couldn't hear anything. And I, I can remember being stood behind you in the kitchen going, Tavy, Tavy, and you didn't turn around and I realised you couldn't hear me at all, which was a time that I realised that you could, had a really good lip read, you were very able to lip read. Mm. But when you were that young, they were a bit reluctant to give you a hearing aid to begin with. They thought that your hearing was to do with tubes getting blocked up because you were had a cold or that kind of thing. But what what always worried me for you was I remember you having been to play with a friend and um, coming home quite upset and saying that that she got really cross with you because you'd been out in the garden and she'd been calling you to do something and she thought you had her, you had your back to her and she thought you were purposely ignoring her oh. and you weren't but you didn't hear her you genuinely didn't hear her and it began to happen to you in the playground and you would say oh, well I, I, no, well, I didn't join in with that today. And I said, well, why didn't you? Well, they said that they'd done that, but I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. And for a child who was so sociable and so willing to join in with anything and lead new ideas and play games in the playground and join in with anybody, it began to make you quite isolated at times. And so I was very fearful for you. But luckily you had really, really supportive teachers who helped me to, um, by writing letters when I went to the, your audiology appointments, to push for the fact that regardless of whether you needed to wear it all the time, you needed to have a hearing aid. So that that made a huge difference. I think you didn't look back after that, but it, it had the potential to have made you a very different child. Yeah. If you had 
gone in on yourself as you would do sometimes during those times in those really early informative years. You know, we're talking about you being six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, those primary school um, years where it was just so important. Mm. And I, um, just hearing you say that you had to almost push for me to have a hearing aid and the teachers were almost adamant that I needed that extra support. I remember going for a, what seemed more like an interview rather than a hearing test with the head of the audiology department. You saw a consultant. Yeah, we to saw see it. whether it was the first I needed, time we saw a consultant. To see whether I needed two, I particularly remember. Um, and uh, the term bilateral means that it impacts both sides or there's a pair of issues in a sense, which means both ears, both of our ears are affected. We we both have one that's worse, um, actually opposite sides, which is quite interesting. For me, it's my right. Left. Is right? It's my left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know as you near that. <laughs> and mine's my right. Um, and I can remember them saying a few times, actually, that it would almost be a waste to give me a second uh, hearing aid because it would make very little difference. Whereas but, for me, yeah. I, I when I should say I do wear two hearing aids, I wear a hearing aid in both ears. But I didn't. I didn't when I first started. They suggested that I should have two. But I hated being having my ears feeling like they were really stuffed up. And um, I, I was really, really reluctant to do that. Uh, when I had my first hearing aid, don't get me wrong, I felt it revolutionised my <laughs> life. And I can remember having it on the first day and to begin with when you first get a hearing aid they suggest that you just wear it for an hour or two a day just in the house and you don't wear it outside yet you just allow your brain to adjust to just how different this feels and I can remember being wowed by the fact that it was the summer and I had a pair of long floaty trousers on and I could hear them brushing on the floor <laughs> behind me and I thought what's that noise what's that noise and I and then realized I can hear my trousers scraping on the floor which is probably a sound that most people don't hear anyway or tune well, out yeah because there are there are sounds that also that we all just naturally tune out and uh like our hair rustling or you know whatever it is and I couldn't get over it it was just yeah it was phenomenal and I could finally the other big thing for me which was um with you and your brother being little was I could hear you properly in the back of the car of course you'd be in your car seats and I'd be driving and you'd be talking to me and I hadn't realized actually just how much I had clearly relied on lip reading for years and years and years it's it's a skill that I've developed I developed that I had no idea I had Mm. and you must be the same I think so and I still do rely on it you know as good as my hearing aids are and they're fantastic now because I went private (laughs) (laughs) but as good as they are I still my default is to it is really to watch people's lips, you know. You and I both struggle with the telly if this if the sound isn't quite in sync with the picture. Oh, if we know immediately. Yeah. Whereas other people go, Oh, is it not? Is it not? Yeah. And we know immediately. Or it's um more no- it's more irritating for us because they're not synced and you're trying to 
a lot of time I, I'll watch something with people and they hate having the subtitles on, of which I'm convinced it just means that they're a slow reader and they can't keep up. <laughs> but I find it's fine. So I'm a slow reader and I like the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> but for, if I don't have the subtitles on, I am, I'm conscious of the fact that I am focusing twice as hard on what they're saying. And so if it is out of sync, that makes it, twice as hard and also like me we like words Mm. you know we like words we like lyrics we like we like um and we like good writing and clever words and the difficulty when you're watching a really good piece of drama is that you you do what we do in ordinary life which is as good as our hearing aids are and all the rest of it but we probably hear three out of every five words that people say because yeah. people don't enunciate particularly well and um, turn their heads away or go their volume dips and grows. But we fill in the blanks because you generally know what somebody's talking about. It's a little bit like when you, when you freshly learn a new language and yeah. you don't have all the vocabulary, but you can basically work out what somebody's saying. And it's, and, and so our brains do work very, very hard mm. while we're, um, and, but sometimes you you make up what somebody said in your head oh, and you don't realise you've done it and it's completely <laughs> offbeat. And people look at you and go, what? <laughs> and then they go, oh no, I obviously didn't get that right. I think uh, Osha and my brother finds it the worst. He goes, I didn't say that. <laughs> and I've just got a version of it in my head because that's what I think he said. And he can get quite frustrated if it's completely off. And he's like, no, why would I say that? It's completely wrong. Which um, I always find quite entertaining. I just laugh at it, but I think he finds it quite annoying. All of that, though, is the bit, I think, that probably makes our hearing loss a disability. Yeah. Um, not. I, mean, I suppose what I mean in that is, is our brains have to work so much harder. So... You used, you know, a lot of people used to say to me, you know, oh, Tavy gets extra time in exams or, <laughs> you know, and um, and even I found that difficult to quite understand in terms of hearing loss. But um, somebody said to me um, who, who worked in child psychology, but you, but you have to, everything you do involves working... 25%, 40% harder than everybody else in that room at that time because of your disability. So uh, we spend more time trying to process that we have understood what somebody said. We have to concentrate harder on what people are saying and we're subconsciously having um, uh, lip reading and trying to process what, what all of that means. And we are... Uh, so. And in my case, my brain is constantly working to drown out my tinnitus. So you are, you are working and working and working. And the other thing that we do suffer from is not actually knowing where a sound comes from. Yeah. So which direction it came from. So who said that? So in a classroom situation, who just said that? Or yeah. Who? That, so, so there's lots of work going on constantly. And so... Yes, you are entitled to more time in an exam because your whole learning process has been compromised by the fact that you have to work that much harder. And a side effect, in a sense, of working that much harder to process things leads to fatigue as well. Yes. And 
I can become exhausted after a lecture with a quiet speaker because I'm working that much harder to understand what she's saying. Or um, I'm in a noisy environment and we're doing group work and I'm trying to just hone in on the three people that I should be focusing on when there's 20 other people behind me, another 10 in front of me. And it's it can be distracting and background noise has always been a it's key thing within the difficulties that both of us find actually well it is a fatigue is a huge thing i mean uh, as much as i suffer from tinnitus it never stops me sleeping i sleep like a log mm. and so do you <laughs> we both <laughs> we both sleep you know very very solidly um and i know for a lot of people with tinnitus it does bother them in their sleep um i hope genuinely fingers crossed hope that that never happens to me because my i need that restorative sleep but what you're saying also about um tuning out lots of different background noise and things i mean our what we should say is that hearing aids in general and our hearing aids have got so much better with digital age and our and our hearing aids um actually mine now are so uh small that one i don't feel like my ears are stuffed up anymore i don't feel like i've got some huge bung in my ear um but our hearing aids are only there to amplify the sounds that we don't hear the idea is is are we still pick up our, the sounds that we can hear so it's not amplifying the frequencies that aren't damaged it's just amplifying the frequencies that are i found particularly in the first few hearing aids that i had i mean i've been through various types and uh, they would upgrade with my age or with the make. But I found in the first few that actually what they were amplifying, the frequency they were amplifying, was also found predominantly in background noise, and then background noise was then amplified. And so it took me a while to Which be able must to have explain been awful that. in a busy classroom when you're yeah. seven. But I don't think I realised that. And then it took me a while to then be able to tell my audiologist actually that's not helping me it's just amplifying the thing that I don't want to be yes. hearing and um it did I think it did take me a while to go actually that's not going to help me I need it's what's amplifying is the thing that I doesn't don't need want. amplifying yes, I want to amplify that teacher in front of me who's yeah. trying to tell me what my homework is <laughs> while everybody is scraping chairs and and packing their bags and have got their head under the desk while they're yeah that's that that was something that concerned me for you when you moved to secondary school but um you I mean it has been a wonderful system for you I have to say it it's um you had a fantastic audiologist all the way through the later parts probably from about age 12 onwards um and you had a uh like a school liaison officer who was there for you um to who would come into school wouldn't they and and mm. and see they you, um, changed quite they a lot did. they did um but they were there to assess and they were there to make sure that the staff got it that yeah. they understood that that was the case and and to be fair to the staff at um, your secondary school, most of them did. They were very, but they but they also would credit you with taking responsibility for it yourself. So they would say, Tavy explained it to me. She explained that actually she needed to sit. It was better for her if she sat at the front of the class. Um, 
which was great because you used to have to sit in alphabetical order and yeah. things like that. And so you actually got to choose <laughs> where you sat. Um, but uh, all of those things, because it was things that I was worried about, such as, you know, the, I can remember from school, teachers shouting the homework over the bell going, everybody scraping their chair back and grabbing their bags to move to the next lesson. And you didn't get hard, you know. Yeah. You'd, you'd struggle to hear that with pinpoint accuracy <laughs> hearing, you know. So, um, yes, things like that did concern me for you. The other thing is, because you're also talking from experience, having used hearing aid and realising how much they help, but you're also talking from the viewpoint of a mother with a child who has those difficulties and so did you have any worries for when I went to secondary school and suddenly I had to deal with tons of new voices teachers and pupils um no I didn't because I because I think that probably the level of your hearing loss at that age was probably what mine was but I didn't know it nobody nobody there wasn't anybody who pointed it out or suggested that I needed a hearing test or and, I, you know, I over the years, I have thought that potentially mine was like that. And and when you didn't have a cold and weren't stuffed up, you could pretty much manage. You were OK. You know, it yeah. was OK. You know, <laughs> obviously it wasn't perfect. Um, and I expect that that is what had been the case for me. So the fact that you did now have a hearing aid and you did now have we did now have all of the power to say to members of staff, this is the case, this is, you know. And I was very reassured with just the first um, parents' evening I went to for you in year seven, where not all, did have to point it out to some, but majority <laughs> of the staff, they, one, they knew exactly who you were because you were confident enough to speak out in class and to contribute, which is great. And two, they they had read your notes and they knew it uh, or you had told them, you know. So credit to them. I think some of them had asked you uh, or said, Tavy, you know, I know in your notes that you have this. Is there anything we can do for you? And you'd said it's better for me if I sit in the front of the class. And as you went through secondary school, that just became more of a given, you know. So, um, Well, there were two teachers particularly both of which I had for this about three years um in consecutive that they knew that I had to be sat in the front and they they both of them preferred to give their class uh, a seating plan not by alphabetical but them put it together and it was my English teacher and my history teacher and both of them both wordy subjects yes um, but both of them quite interestingly put me in the front uh their right so my left looking at the class yeah um so in so i'd be sat in the front in relatively in the corner but it meant that i was immediately directly in front of them but i could also turn my turn my body slightly towards the rest of the class and be able to hear everyone without having to keep swapping turning and turning. Around. Yeah. And yeah, that's very good, actually. I hadn't thought about that. But both of them knew whenever they were changing the seating plan throughout those three years, they always went, right, Tavy, you can sit there. We know that works. The rest of you will move about. Whereas some of them would change it and I'd have to go, uh, hang on, do you mind if I stay where I am or near where I am? Because 
when I need to until it works. And and did you find that for you, because it happened and it became so the norm, that your peers just accepted it? Most you of weren't them, singled I think, out for it, most, other than those few annoying ones few. that are, are only ever going to... I think they were more... The people who did think that it was a bit of a fuss or was unnecessary to keep bringing up were ones who didn't really understand it. No. And actually, because I was actually quite outspoken about having a hearing aid, and I was never ashamed of it, I never hid it, sometimes I felt like I didn't need to tell someone because it wasn't relevant, but if it was relevant and I thought, actually, it might, it would benefit me and the person who's delivering something, teaching me to know that I need that extra You were pretty good at at self-disciplining to wear your hearing aid, actually. I never had to particularly push you to wear it. I do remember you having a few phases where you didn't, where you went through a few phases where you didn't wear it. And it was either because it was uncomfortable, it wasn't, you didn't feel it was benefiting you anymore and hadn't mentioned it to me and we needed to go back to the audiologist and change things. Um, But I, I do remember maybe in your mid teens where you where you hadn't you hadn't been wearing it for a while and I kind of became aware that you hadn't been wearing it. Um but and kind of asked you why and said, Well just take it with you and just stick it in for the odd lesson and stuff and it didn't take very long for you to realise that it was better with it than without yeah. it. So which is the best way for you to decide? There's no point in me saying you must wear it. And, you know, <laughs> you've got it, and so you must wear it. Da, da, da. You have to do these things for yourself. You have; they have to be your choice. Um, otherwise, you're you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Really, yeah. it was there. To, it's it was a tool for your benefit. So it's up to you if you feel it benefits you or not. Well, the particular times that I remember not wearing it or actively choosing not to wear it rather than phasing out of putting it in and then feeling like I didn't need it or it wasn't benefiting me, was, like you said, in the winter when I had a cold, because uh, because I have weak ears and actually weak sinuses, my whole ear, nose and throat connection scenario would flare up worse with a cold and and actually my ears would feel blocked as well as feeling stuffed up with a cold. And so... Wearing a hearing aid on top of that just felt worse because, like, like you said, your it head feels in a washing machine. It feels like you're completely blocked off. Yeah, it's horrible. And um, and actually, it's something that I don't know if you remember when we went to see A Star Is Born in the cinema. I remember you saying uh, the uh, the male lead suffers from tinnitus. Yeah. And actually, throughout his scenes, there's a gentle ringing that uh, when they're shot as if they're in his head and I remember you saying at the end going oh my tinnitus was really bad throughout all that and me having to tell you no that was in yeah the film. and I didn't realize it I didn't I didn't know that that was in the film and that, that I hadn't I hadn't realized that that's what it was but he says that his uh his, t- his team his crew say well if you can't hear us we're gonna need you to wear in-ear monitors and he said no because I'm it blocks me off and I don't feel as if I'm I'm playing. part of it yeah mm. and that's probably one of the best ways I can explain well, I think wearing probably... a hearing aid in the winter because you just feel so in your yeah. head the only way to describe it to somebody who doesn't have a hearing loss or wear hearing aids is you know 
uh, when you put when you choose to put a pair of in the ear headphones in, you choose to in order to just tune into one yeah. thing. But you're you you're you're very disorientated quite often because you're not hearing the rest of life going on around you. Um, so uh, and and that's what it can be like when you're stuffed up and you're you know I always say it's like having your head in a washing machine or stuffed under the duvet. You're aware of other things going on around you but you can't tune into them so it's yeah. horrible you feel very mm. you feel very isolated in your own body when it's yeah like and it's really strange uh when that happens because up until throughout the summer it's been fine uh i would probably around that point depending on the age would be wearing it without really thinking about it and just having it in Yours in those days used to be adjustable so that we could, we had a certain amount of being able to turn up. Yeah. What, uh, the amplification. So, Mm. um, uh, uh, or turn it down as and when you needed to. It wasn't a great, it wasn't a great um, range, but it did allow you to Mm. at least bump it up a little bit and bring it back down because we had to, I remember we had to go in and kind of say to the audiologist that this was a big issue. And I remember having a hearing aid that didn't have that setting and found it hard because I would just turn the hearing aid off. Yes. If I was in a loud class and I was trying to focus, I would just turn it off and then might forget to turn it back on again or miss something important. And so... Which was quite a responsibility when yeah. you were younger. Part of me... I mean, I still do sometimes turn it off if I'm with my friends and actually I'm like, no, shut up. I'll just turn it off. And someone will go, Tave, have you tuned out? And I went, yeah, sorry. I'll... I get accused of turning mine off all the time, and yet mine are on constantly. <laughs> I just, yeah, sometimes I'm just, I'm just don't hear people, or I'm, you know, I am concentrating on something else. I yeah. mean, you were talking about background noise earlier. I work, you know, when I'm in the office, I'm in an open plan office, yeah. and that is really bad. You know, that can be so distracting, and. I need to do a lot of work on the phone, which is which is a reason why I didn't um, I didn't take my second hearing aid for a long time. So although I wear two hearing aids now, and I have done for I'm not sure actually five maybe five plus years, maybe more than that. Mm, yeah. I um the um I used to just wear a single hearing aid because I hated having to put the phone up to my hearing aid ear, mm. so I would use the other ear. Well, that's what um, I find if I have to answer the phone because I'll have to put it to my left ear and then I feel really uncomfortable because I'm using my left hand. And I don't know why. It's just something really small and using my left hand to answer the phone just felt weird. Yeah. But yours is your, your good, in quotations, good, better ear is your right one. So you'd still have that, I suppose. But, I, um, but since having two hearing aids and since the... The technology in the digital hearing aids and certainly the technology in my hearing aids now, which means that my mobile phone is Bluetooth directly to my headphones, which are my headphones, to my hearing aids, (laughs) which work like headphones that are amazing. And um, people at work laugh at me because uh, my phone, I answer my phone and I start talking to it just in my hand I don't put it up to my ears because the person who is speaking to me is speaking directly into my hearing aids Mm. and there are still a lot of people who I work with who have no idea I wear hearing aids because I have 
uh, have enough hair that covers yeah. my ears all the time and had no idea. And I obviously do a good enough job of hiding <laughs> or guessing what that sentence is when I only know three words out of every five <laughs> <laughs> that I get away with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, but, it, you know, I have to work at that. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's a bit of the inbuilt politeness in me that I'll say pardon once or twice but that's it because it makes me sound like uh i'm accusing the person of speaking to me i struggle not if speaking I have to say clearly it more than once if i have to say pardon more than once then i feel bad yes yeah yeah which is which is crazy and and then you sort of have to explain oh it's not you it's me yeah <laughs> yeah and that's okay and i i have as i got uh older and with my work i i do tend to drop it in at some point oh I'm really sorry I didn't catch that I wear I wear two hearing aids so I don't always you know yeah. people are flabbergasted <laughs> really do you you know some people I've worked with for a couple of years do you <laughs> I know you wore hearing it you know and they're mm. they're oblivious to it really my favorite uh time that I've ever told anyone that I wear a hearing aid is when I was year 11 no 12 sorry and I was uh, in the process of learning uh, theatre sound tech and setting up um, sound systems and learning to mix and the guy who was teaching me was getting ready to set up a smaller PA system for me to take on location that I was going to do for school and then uh, he uh, we couldn't get it to work and then all of a sudden it did and noise went through the um went through the speakers but particularly loud and uh, I was behind the speakers so it didn't affect me as much but he was in front of the speakers and he went oh I think I'm deaf in one ear and I just went I am and he stopped and went what <laughs> you, what and I was like yep yeah. managed to get this far without you knowing but I, I can't hear certain things and that's probably one of my favorite things he went and you're doing sound? This is not the best yeah, idea. Yeah, well, you see, this was a revelation to me because I always thought, you know, for the listeners, all three of my children sing beautifully. And uh, including Tavy with her hearing loss. And I always thought the fact that I can't sing was because I'm deaf. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's because I've never been able to hear things properly. So I can't hear my own pitch or, I you know, can't. that's why. <laughs> Whereas actually, I just can't sing at all. Uh, so that excuse went out the window when uh, Tavy here was diagnosed with hearing loss as well and still sang beautifully. Well, I, I'm better in a choir. <laughs> I would say I've never chosen as a solo but um actually being in a choir meant that I could tune into everyone around me and I could I would use um all the other people singing but that's quite a big thing you say you tune in yeah. to the people around you I would sometimes but there... if there's a note that I'm not sure what it is I'll stop wait for someone to sing it and then sing it quite yeah, often. but well, I always thought I was singing the same note as the person <laughs> next to me. Clearly not. <laughs> it changed a little bit when I got moved to the back because I suddenly got so much taller than everyone else. I used to be one of the smallest and was in the front and then grew a head taller than everyone else and had to be put in the back, which did make tuning into people a little harder because sound travels in one direction, really. The vibrations that you send out when you're talking when you're singing any noise goes out in one direction unless directed in 
multiple ways um and so when you're talking and you're singing your voice goes out in one direction and so if you're behind the direction of noise it's harder to pick up so whenever I was behind at the back of a choir I would then have to work twice as hard well likewise this is what this is why they're now talking my lovely audiologist um she uh she works a lot with um orchestras or members of orchestras who have for years of course you know you sit you behind sit the in trum- a row in front behind of the, the trombone trumpet or the trombones yeah that's really really bad for you mm. really bad for your hearing um and she works a lot with musicians who have had their who had fantastic hearing and all part of what they do but have had their hearing damaged by playing in orchestras for years so I found that quite fascinating she my audiologist she uh she does a lot of sort of talking therapy with me as well about my hearing and she we talked a lot about my tinnitus and really identifying it and um and uh understanding it because I found that the more I psychologically understand it and own it actually the better and easier it is Mm. um my worst time for me with my tinnitus I mean I am never without my hearing aids we're talking about you being selective about yours (laughs) when you were of a certain age but I have never without my hearing aids and the only time that I have not had my hearing aids which was for a weekend because I actually lost them. I somehow I had managed to put them. I must have been getting dressed and gone downstairs, and I'd put them on the windowsill um, in the hallway, and they'd obviously fall. I obviously hadn't put them properly, and they'd fallen down, and they'd fallen down into the letter rack, quite disappeared into the bottom of it. And I'd gone off to do something else and something else, something else. Then I realised that I needed to put my hearing aids. Assumed that they were where they always are on my dressing table when I get ready in the morning. They're not there. Well, where are they? Where? They? And I searched and searched and searched. And I and it was a weekend. It was a Saturday. And it you were having a sleepover. <laughs> and it was a birthday. It was one of your birthdays. And I had to do like 48 hours without my hearing aids with I know you were probably 30 or 12 or 13 at the time maybe younger a whole load of squealy girl <laughs> for your party and was it the by, bad one it might have been, no it wasn't the very bad one it wasn't the really bad one but not the really bad sleepover <laughs> um but I do remember I got to about half past eight nine o'clock that evening and you guys were all watching a film you know um for your sleepover and stuff and i can remember saying to to your dad that i i i can't i almost can't focus i am my tinnitus is so horrendous i feel so tired I, cu- I couldn't focus on the television at all. And I, I felt like I couldn't do anything. That is the first time ever I have felt disabled by my hearing loss. And really, I was disabled by my tinnitus right. as opposed to my hearing loss. Yeah. So, you know, my hearing loss might have been a bonus in that scenario, bearing in mind I could have done without hearing all of those <laughs> squealy girls. Honestly, your brother's sleepovers have always been much easier. Really? <laughs> uh, but yes, I would say that's the only time I have felt properly disabled by my 
by my tinnitus and my hearing loss. Is that because um, you've grown so reliable, reliant, uh, reliant yeah. on your hearing aids and the support that they give I'm you? I'm completely reliant on them. It terrifies me the thought of them, you know, not working or. And um, when I, uh, I'd not long had a new set of hearing aids. Um, and so I was quite grateful that I still have those because if there, if I was to have a problem with my digital hearing aids and I can't get my to my audiologist until the next day or if we're away on holiday or that kind of thing, I usually make sure I have them with me um, because being without them is just impossible it's just not um i i can't function for the day if that's the case so um i would never manage to even get out the door without them mm. you know i i just i just can't so um yeah what made you go private i don't actually know um i well i i had always thought that um that private hearing aids were for people who were just really vain about how they looked. And the the NHS hearing aids were fantastic. They're, there's no doubt about it. They were very, very good. Um, and it's a fantastic service. Uh, but um, I wanted to go to somebody to talk to them more about my tinnitus because that's something that the NHS do struggle with to give you much support in that and I decided that I would go for a private hearing test um and my uh audiologist she she just introduced me to a couple of different types of hearing aid and uh what it's all part of the sales technique I'm sure but (laughs) she um she was very specific about what sort of hearing loss I had and what hearing aids would benefit me and what sort of work I did and how different things would uh, would work for me. Um, and what she did was she allowed me to have a trial pair that I wore for, uh, no, like, I had them for nearly six weeks um, because you have to really get used to them and decide whether they are right for you or not. And then she gave me another set from a different make, said, try these uh and um i didn't like them as much they weren't as preferable as the first set that she gave me so i had never really even intended to go down the private route and get them i i always thought that they were to do with vanity but i was so wrong i mean the quality of the the difference in in what i hear and how i hear and she was very good because she didn't just set me up in her room we went out to a cat we walked up the street we went to a cafe we sat and had a cup of coffee together with noise going on around us and things she chatted to me so I was very much in a very normal environment to test how I felt in these hearing aids and she tweaked how they were set for me um but they've been brilliant because not only do I have this ability to play any app on my phone or my phone to ring and I can um, have it plumbed directly into my ears which is how I know you'll immediately pick up because you almost can't miss it no and uh it doesn't ring in my ears the phone doesn't ring in my oh, ears I always thought it did no no the phone doesn't ring in my oh. ears no it just, it just the voice goes through the it. voice goes once I connect the voice oh. goes through my ears but the um uh 
the but the the app that comes with the hearing aids also has different settings on it so i have a setting that means when i'm in a big meeting in a big room i can change to a setting that is directional so i can put my phone on the table in front of me pointing at the person who's speaking and it amplifies their voice above anybody else's it gives me an extra boost um, I have a setting called Zen, which <laughs> plays funny little plinky plonky music in my ears, which is actually really good when my tinnitus is bad. Um, and uh, then the and the Zen, the plinky plonky music. I should clarify that because the plinky plonky music isn't <laughs> sounds isn't, like it's something from In the Night Garden. It is a little bit, but it's not. But it but it's very scientific, so it's there is no rhythm or repeat to it. They're like little chime sounds, but there's no pattern to them. So they're constantly random, which means that rather than it being like a tune that you might pick up on and begin to get the rhythm of, or there's no rhythm, there's no um, repeat, and it and it just allows your brain to just be aware of a sound, a bit like we were talking about earlier about, you know, if ever I'm in a really silent place, I could actually just put Zen on on my <laughs> phone. And for me, I'm hearing little bits. Now, your father will say, I can hear that. Because <laughs> <laughs> his hearing is, is his, his, um, his close hearing is really, really good. Someone really did that good. to me in a lecture. My hearing aid squeaked once and someone went, is that you? And I went, you can hear that? Yeah, yeah. I that can does just happen. about hear that. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. People do say, uh, do you hear that? But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in answer to your question, yeah, the dig- I didn't really intend to go digital. I didn't think it had a huge benefit until I tested it and realised that actually for me and the age I'm at and that, of course, my hearing is still degenerating, so... There's that extra mm-hmm. bit, if you like. Um, and um, it's very important to my working world that I can communicate properly. Um, so, yeah, that's part of it, really. Um, but, yeah, it's expensive. And <laughs> one of the things that does annoy me about it is uh, I can't work without it. It's um, a huge part of uh, my whole health mental health and sanity my hearing aids and yet as a freelancer i can't put them off against tax i can't they they were they're a huge expense they're a huge part of what helps me to do my job and yet they're not tax deductible and that's awful because i don't get as much as we're calling this a disability i get no disability credit for having this hearing loss there's no uh, I shouldn't say that, that's unfair, because yes, I do if I go through the NHS and I get a hearing aid and I, you know, and all of that is free. That's all, uh, you know, yeah, very important. But you don't, unlike other disabilities where you would be given some, not just financial compensation, but some um, some help towards it. If, if I was, if I was at a, in a, if I worked for a company as opposed to being a freelancer, then lots of this stuff would be available to me because large companies have lots of um, 
grants and pockets of money that are set aside exactly for people like you and me. So it might be somebody with particular back issues who needs a certain chair to sit at their desk or, you know, all of those kind of equipment yeah. that helps you um, with your physical disability. But as a freelancer, that doesn't apply. So that's where it, that's where it's got more difficult. And it's why I've we've worked hard for you starting your degree and doing it in tv and radio that the technology is out there to support people with disabilities and luckily universities now and student bodies are really brilliant at putting together funding for these things it's learning how to access it that's difficult and we are learning how to access it for you so Um, and we always have done Mm. but I do think that a huge part of what's helped understand what you should be entitled to what you need is because I suffer the same hearing loss as you Um, which presumably is hereditary possibly interesting that the other two don't have it but but not everything does get passed down. No. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing. <laughs> and I can't. So Dad I can. <laughs> well on that note, I think we're gonna end it there. Thank you so much, Mama, for joining me. My pleasure. How Been lovely. Great. So uh I thank you all for joining us and I'll see you on the next one. Bye bye. <laughs>